What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 102 this week. <laughs> 102! That's right, that's right. And do we sound a little different? It might sound a little different. You're what without the spit. I know, right? What's going on, man? I know, I know. We got po- new podcast gear. Yes. It looks just amazing. It sounds amazing. Oh my goodness, so good. It's, it's a whole world of difference. It is, it is. Oh my goodness, we got a great show for you guys today. Today, we have the one and only Chad Michael Collins coming yes. on the show. You know him from all those sniper films, and we know we have a lot of gamer listeners out there, and he is the main character in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the yes. new one that just came out. Yes. Cool guy. Cool guy. Very cool guy, and I'm telling you guys, you if you're trying to get into this industry as an actor, you want to listen to this interview, because this guy drops some seriously awesome advice on how to do and what not to do, more importantly, uh, if you're trying to get in. Agreed. So. Agreed, definitely. Well, you know, before we get this thing started, we got to introduce ourselves. My name is JLo Fantastic, and we got the one and only Malwaza. That's right, that's right. And you know, for industry news, we're going to be talking the Batman. We got a little sneak camera test from yes. Matt Reeves himself. I'm so excited about this one. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, man. It, hey, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we got Disney, Netflix, a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, top five segment this week is going to be top five Kevin Smith films. Oh my goodness. Yes, we, we had went to. Saw. Yeah, yeah. It had to be Kevin Smith, right? Exactly. I mean, come on we went and saw him out in Charlotte. Oh my goodness. With the Jay and Silent Bob reboot roadshow. This thing was just phenomenal. It was oh. awesome to hear his stories about just bringing everybody back for this reboot. It was just great. Yes, it was. Definitely. Definitely. And before we get this thing started, you know we got to plug our website, crazyantmedia.com. And head over to our merchandise website where we put up some new designs. We got some catchphrases on our shirts now, guys. Holy moly and hell yeah by yours truly. (laughs) Um, And we got the new and improved bonk on anything and everything you can think of. It's true. Well, you know, we got to get this thing started with the juggernaut itself. Disney slash ABC Studios slash 20th Century television not fox that's right television no no, just television yeah but uh they are making some major shifts and priorities the mega studio itself is pivoting away from the broadcast as its top priority which is not surprising to be honest i mean this pilot season they normally picked up around like 30 or some some more pilots but this time they only picked up around like 13 yeah super crazy like like yeah i mean a significant drop off and some of those like that they picked up aren't even guaranteed to go to series exactly so but i mean we should talk about it why the significant change why are they doing this because the focus has shifted to providing content for the streaming platforms and not the broadcast networks. Yeah. So back in the day when your only avenue was to put your series out on broadcast ABC, now they have all these other venues that, that they're trying to hit. And so, the, the, I mean, they they don't need as many anymore. It just makes sense, man. And I mean, I feel like Hulu is definitely going to be the new ABC later down the line. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even Maybe their PG-13 content, that's probably going to go to Disney+. Plus. But I mean, all their medical dramas, all their like law dramas, those are all going to Hulu. And I mean, Hulu is kind of on top of its game right now. They got so much good content on there, and you got a high fidelity on YouTube or oh, on uh, Hulu that you've been promoting like crazy. Yeah, dude, I love that series, man. Yeah. You're right, Hulu is killing it right now, dude. They're, Agreed. They're like, and, and that's Disney for yeah. anybody who doesn't know. That is Disney. Yeah, just rocking and rolling, man. 
been rocking and rolling. But I mean, they're looking for that younger audience because it's all about like the 23 to like 32 range right now. And yeah, I think they're hitting yeah. it. I think they're hitting it. I think so too. I mean, that there's they're, no doubt they went that direction with high fidelity. Yeah. You know, and they were trying to recapture that audience that was that age for the Cusack film, but now <laughs> the new age of that group with, you know, with Zoe. So they did a brilliant job, but they're, they're on it, man. Yeah. They did pick up a couple of orders. So we did, there were a couple of big significant ones that in that 18 that they did pick up, though. So one of them being a Jimmy Kimmel project. Yeah. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with his late night show. He's expanding, guys. Well, not a lot of people know he has his own production studio. It's true. Like it, It's true. He's You know, he long talks about one of his idols is David Letterman. Mm. And the reason he does this is David Letterman. You yeah. Know, he's who inspired. David Letterman, his own production company. I don't know how many people knew he was behind Everybody Loves Raymond and like all of these shows were David Letterman's production company. So it only makes sense Kimmel gets in on it, right? Yeah. Uh, he, but this one is weird, though. I'm not even going to say it. Writing and executive producing. And what it's going to, it's a series based on a comedy series. Let me say that because this is, this is tricky. It's a comedy series about a Green Beret who returns home from military service to Texas where he and his family struggle with the challenges of adopting a new brother, a 12-year-old Russian boy. Mm. It's a comedy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty serious, Jimmy. Exactly. Sounds I mean, like, serious. this is a situation comedy. What? I like, know. maybe an hour-long dramedy. Right. But, like, like, comedy? What? I know, right? I mean, well, it's going to be interesting to see if this was one that's actually going to get picked up because, I mean, it sounds a little controversial, especially what they're labeling it as. So, it absolutely you know. One thing I will say, though, that's awesome is that it's being co-written and created by actual veterans. Mm. U.S. Army veteran Sean Vance, who's a former Green Beret, nice. which would make sense, right? And uh, Darley Fannin, who was a combat medic. So kudos to to ABC and Jimmy Kimmel for hiring our veterans um, and, and, you know, and going that route. And, and yeah, I hope this one gets picked up yeah agreed man agreed and i mean they're also signed topher grace to star in a new comedy pilot for home economics if the city or if the series pilot gets a series order it would be grace's first regular role on a broadcast show since he departed from that 70s show back in 2005 now that's like uh, like well, almost 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, that's crazy to think that he hasn't been on television since then. Right. I mean, we know he's done a couple of movie roles and, and different things like that. You know, he's- But I mean, he did great in Black Klansman, so- He did. He was phenomenal. And I, I think a lot of people have been wanting to see him return to TV, though. Yeah. You know, but I mean- it's it's always tough when you have such a huge hit yeah. and your character is and so try to go back to it. Yeah, so identifiable on that huge hit. You yeah. know, it's like mm, I don't know. I know it's gonna be difficult. I mean, because you think about Lauren Graham coming. We're talking about uh, Zoe's playlist. Uh, Lauren Graham coming back to television. Right. So I mean, it's it's always different because Lorelai and Sarah from Parenthood and Lorelai from Gilmore Girls. They are so like notable characters people love those characters exactly. so it's going to be interesting to see if he will play somebody like he did play in 70s show like if he would play the same like character type so i don't know man i don't know either man it's going to be really interesting to see uh, uh sometimes you got to take a risk though yeah like lauren graham's character in zoe is like no, not a mother not like you know this endearing daughter mom relationship type thing 
that she had on both Parenthood and uh, Gilmore Girls. It's yeah. like, but I, I hopefully maybe that's what Topher's doing. He's taking a risk, and it's not going to be anything like Eric Foreman, right? You know, so we'll see, man. Yeah, we'll see. definitely, definitely. And I mean, keeping with the Mouse House, everybody is talking about this one, and I don't know. <laughs> I'm still like on the fence about it. Uh, Disney's live action remake of Mulan that does not fe- feature Mushu. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? Eddie Murphy is every- everywhere right now. It's Put true. him back in there. Um, it has received a PG-13 rating from the Motion Picture Association due to the sequences of violence, which makes sense because there's some huge, huge, like, war scenes and, I mean, action scenes. So it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, and it's the first live-action remake of their animated films that's got a PG-13 tag. Yeah. So that's interesting. Definitely, definitely. And, I mean, the only other ones that was, like, still kind of kids-friendly was the Pirates of the Car- Caribbean uh, Dead Men Tells no tales yeah. in 2017 yep yep so mm, it's gonna be interesting yeah. and, and will we see more of that right then? will we see more animated remakes that get a pg-13 tag I yeah mean, maybe this is a test run right maybe that's what this one was about i don't know this next one harrison ford has revealed that production on the new indiana jones movie will commence late this summer yep. which should be expecting a next year release yeah and this just confirms what we talked about on the show last week with kathleen kennedy saying that they were indeed working on it and that in uh harrison was attached to it well now harrison has officially confirmed indeed not only is he attached to it but it's going into production in yeah. the summer so um and he says he's excited about it yeah i know i really just want to see how the like the stunts are performed like I, if it actually is gonna be him because i mean he i feel like he's kind of hard-headed and so i feel like he's gonna want to do his own stunts but i think he might hurt himself i i agree with you and i just i, I again i'm just not sure if harrison is like there to do yeah. a whole film yeah I, I just i don't know man not not an indiana jones film put yeah. it that way that's just my opinion i just i know i'm gonna take some shit for that but. yeah i mean he's got a new one coming out this weekend he does I, but so I mean, I don't know, <laughs> but he's got a co-star with like a fake dog. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Just In which uh, he's actually a real dog, but it, he looks super CGI, right? Uh, well, isn't he a mix? Didn't they do some yeah, like CGI it is stuff a mix. with him? Yeah, but, yeah. That it, it looks kind of weird, especially with like what they can do now. I mean, we saw the live-action Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, that looks great. It did. I was a huge fan of that. So hopefully, it's at least that good. Maybe, maybe we're not getting the full effect with the trailer right so i mean (laughs) yeah it's gonna be interesting but i also saw on twitter this past week how a fan was asking him about like a certain plot point in one of the star wars films Mm -hmm. and he was like had no idea it's like yeah yeah. bro you are literally han solo (laughs) like (laughs) i understand sometimes actors really don't care about the roles they are playing but bro this freaking franchise kind of put you on the map right so <laughs> and i mean this it was i think i think i i know what you're talking about is, is the the ghost han solo yeah the ghost force han solo was and what like, his thoughts on it he's yeah. like i have no idea what the fuck a ghost force is and, and he doesn't care yeah <laughs> he said and i don't care <sighs> like what i know like, i mean come on man that's what i was talking about the stubbornness so i've <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's good harrison Ford, i love him i i personally love him i think he's a great actor i think he's just like your tough guy kind of like just you want to root for him action star kind of i i just don't know though yeah, yeah so we'll see <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, this next one, right? Uh-huh. If you're a Walking Dead fan, Denai Guerra signed a two-year overall deal with the Mouse House, ABC right. Studios. Uh, and you you have become familiar with this line. You know it. You love it. Under the pact, she will create, develop, write, and produce new projects for all the Disney-owned studios' multiple platforms. That's interesting because that means not just Disney+, Plus, but also ABC, yeah, also exactly. all the TV networks, and the film side of it. Exactly. So that's all platforms. Exactly. And I mean, I dropped off The Walking Dead probably past season eight nine ish right right around there but um i guess she is about to be former co-star of the walking dead she is about to just completely drop off as well so and then yet somehow still make appearance in andrew lincoln's upcoming walking dead movies right i I have no idea what is going on with this show i know like when maggie left i that was it for me i'm just like what is going on negan is a good guy maggie's gone like like what the fuck is going on i know it's super confusing it's super confusing but what i'm excited about this story is she's also a playwright Yes. So it would be really cool because we keep going. I keep going back to this Zoe's playlist. (laughs) Um, Maybe she could write like a series or like a musical type series just like that one. So, I mean, that would be super badass to see. It would totally be. And then she, because yeah, she's a brilliant performer herself. So, I mean, to be in something like that. And come on, right now, musicals, man, they're they're it. So, exactly. Wow, that'd be really interesting. Right? Yeah. And I mean, I feel like musicals need to get more exposure in general. So, if you could bring it to the television slash film side, I mean, I know they've been trying over the past few years. It didn't really do so well with Cat. Um, which, in my opinion, <laughs> I'm not surprised. No, 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 no. But, like, I feel like the Elton John movie, Rocket Man, like, it was more like a musical take on the man's life. So, I, and that one did really well. Yeah, more so than the than the Queen biopic. It, it yeah. was more musical than it was film. Yeah. So, because uh, he, he would literally, like in Zoe's, just burst out into song. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be crazy. But... Like, no, <laughs> what? What were you going to say? No, I was going to be like crazy like this weather right now, right. but you know, it's right. all good. It's, it's all, all good. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. But uh, switching over to Warner Media. Oh, my goodness. I know a lot of people have been seeing this stuff that Ben Affleck was talking about how basically if he continued on being the Batman and creating his version of the Batman film and directing it and all that good stuff, he might have drunk himself to death. Yeah, yeah. He's finally come out and kind of addressed this situation. And it makes sense that he would talk about it now because, you know, you're seeing all this new stuff with with the new Batman movie. And uh, if you guys don't remember... And shame on you if you don't. You should be listening to our show. Ben Affleck was originally the guy that was going to be in the solo Batman movie, and he had written the script and was set to direct and kind of just dropped out. And now he's kind of addressing it finally as to why he dropped out. Like Logan said, it had to do with the drinking. He, uh, It was a New York Times interview, and he he said that um, he he really hit kind of rock bottom with the alcoholism during 2015-2016, and that was when Batman vs. Superman was out. Out and he was promoting it and they were shooting Justice League. And I guess it was just a really shitty time on set for Justice League. He was having a hard time with the promotion of Batman versus Superman. And he was going through the, the stuff with his wife and he was just like, you know, it, it got him a hardcore drinking. Right. And he showed the script for his Batman film 
to a friend of his and he said, this is really great, but I'm terrified that if you follow through with this, if you go ahead and you, and you do this film, you're going to drink yourself to death. Yeah. And, and that's it. That that's, that's what it took. Mm-hmm. He, he realized maybe he was in trouble and he couldn't, couldn't do another tentpole film and uh, dropped off. Yeah. At least for the time being, I feel like the interpretation that he was doing of the Batman was very dark, was very gritty. I mean, this Batman was killing people. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I bet it was a lot of pressure. And I mean, I don't want to say that was a peak. I mean, it was one of the peaks in his career because, I mean, superhero films are the biggest thing out right now, obviously. So, I mean, it must have been a whole bunch of pressure. And plus, he had a whole bunch of stuff going on at home. So, it's just a lot. But it's good that he was able to take responsibility for what he was doing and step back from the certain situation, especially in a tentful film like this. And maybe it's just going to be another Zack Snyder Justice League thing where we're never going to see his script or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be interesting, right? If we see a return of his script. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah, Um, I mean, especially for another person, if like... I mean, some tweaks here and there, like if he was able to give it to Matt Reeves again, like just completely sign over the rights to it and he have story by or whatever. Maybe a sequel. And then, yeah, like something like that. But it's good that he was able to step back from the role because he saw that his life was fucking deteriorating, basically. It is. I I do hope beyond just even the script that we see him in the cowl again because I liked his Dark Knight version. Yeah. It was dark and gritty, but it was based on Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Yeah. It was that version and i just liked the old peppered kind of i've been doing this forever kind of a grizzled batman and i thought affleck pulled it off great yeah i mean i we like we said earlier we went to uh kevin smith jay and silent bob reboot and he had nothing but beautiful words to say about ben affleck and just bringing him back on for that film so it's good to see that he's getting back on his feet and trying to do the right thing at least by himself his career and his family absolutely and his new film looks the way back looks absolutely phenomenal yeah he just talks about like rehab basically like this film was basically helping him get through all this shit it's like well really it looks like it should because (laughs) alcoholic basketball coach construction worker like it's like basically you but not famous you exactly it's goodwill hunting you (laughs) and like i'm just saying goodwill hunting you that's fantastic (laughs) we should say we should say that likely the reason that that ben has did this interview and has come out with all of this information is because if you missed it and again i don't know how you would miss it but the first official look at Robert Pattinson's Batman hit the internet. Yes. Um this this week it and did. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, if, if and again, if you don't know, Matt Reeves is, took over for Ben Affleck and then rewrote the script and has moved forward with his version of Batman. Um and wow. I one of the things that I saw that everybody was talking about is because and I get it because you don't normally associate red with Batman, right? But like, like it had the whole screen test with the costume and everything had this red lighting and red, you know, tint to it and everything. And I saw the constant comparisons to Daredevil yeah. and the Daredevil opening uh, for the Netflix series for Daredevil. And um, I get that, but Matt Reeves has made it perfectly clear that that was not the inspiration had nothing to do with that that this red tone represents blood Mm. and uh, yeah it has to do more with what the creation of batman is birthed from as opposed to anything else daredevil related oh wow so you think we're probably going to get a backstory like more telling of his backstory and like 
coming up, kind of like Batman Begins, I guess? Yes and no, because it's not going to be an origin story. Matt Reeves said it is definitely not an origin story. In fact, it's year two. Hmm. The the movie takes place his second year as Batman. Yeah. So that that's where it picks up. But then I do agree with you, though, that I think we are going to get a lot more backstory because if you checked out the costume, and holy shit, I like the costume personally, and we're going to talk about our buddy Kevin again. Um, the, it looks like maybe the bat symbol on the suit is mechanical in nature, referencing or hinting to that it might be components of the gun that Joe Chill killed his family with. Yeah. If that is the case, then clearly we're going to get some more backstory about what happened and why he's Batman and how he's... We know that uh, Carmen, and uh, the crime boss, is going to be in there. Yeah. Um. So we are dealing with the people who did kill his family. So even though it's year two, so I would agree. I think we are going to get more backstory. And the reason I brought up Kevin is because if it is the case that that is the gun on the costume and that type gear on his uh, uniform. That's a Kevin Smith storyline from a comic book that he wrote. Right. That he actually was the first one to introduce that concept that he was using pieces from the gun on his costume. So that'd be epic. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And I mean, <laughs> listening to other podcasters, somebody noted that we didn't see the ears yet. And I mean, we were talking about it off air that they might be tiny, but what if there's no bat ears at all? That's right. Super weird. Like it would be. And I mean, I like the look of like like you said, year two and the stitching, like still putting it all together homemade kind of, not like getting it professionally done, like hidden in the shadows type shit. And I also like the comparisons to the Arkham Asylum video games as well because That's, yeah. I'm a huge fan of those. So, I mean, yeah, it's just really going to be interesting. And, I mean, he's got the chiseled jawline, jaw and that's really what you need for Batman. I know. A lot of people were wondering what was he going to look like in the cowl, but, I mean, shit, he looked fucking good. Yeah. And I do think there are going to be ears. I just think maybe the screen test didn't show him because you're right. I think the, the costume very much resembles the Arkham Asylum costume. Um and that one had ears. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping it has. It would. It just wouldn't make sense to me if it didn't have ears. I mean, you know, come on, you're Batman. Bats, I know, bats but not fucking... a lot of things make sense in the Warner Media's <laughs> fucking DC universe, okay? okay? Okay, you're right. But I'm a huge Zoe Kravitz fan. You referenced it at the top of fucking High Fidelity, and I'm just I, – I, she's fantastic. And she says, she says, this Batman movie will – blow your fucking mind Mm. she said it's unlike any other batman movie you've seen and she's super excited and is confident that it's going to just blow people away so it may have ears it may not but it will blow us away apparently right and i was watching hot ones uh first we feast on youtube the other day and she was a a guest on there and she was talking about how the costume for Catwoman is just fucking great. She loves it. She loves everything about it. So if you guys haven't watched that interview, please go watch it. It is just phenomenal. And watching her eat hot wings is hilarious. <laughs> like she goes through it without any milk, water, beer, anything like that. She is a trooper, man. Yeah, I, I mean, come on. She's Lenny Kravitz kid. Exactly. All right. Yeah, and Jason Momoa is her stepdad. Was there any doubt she could plow through some hot wings without some assistance right right? like (laughs) 
<laughs> she's a badass. There's yeah, a, let's just say she's agreed, a badass. Agreed. Agreed. But yeah, man, I mean, super, super intrigued by this one. Well, so. now you have me because I didn't see the Catwoman stuff. So now I'm really curious as to what that costume is. Yeah. Is it going to be like a lot like Michelle Pfeiffer's, which they even went to in the comic books, yeah. you know, or is it going to be more comic book oriented? It's going to be really interesting. Now I'm curious. Exactly. Yeah. When's the screen test of Zoe's costume? <laughs> right. Come on now. Everybody's interested in that. And I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very interested in seeing freaking uh, Colin Farrell in the Penguin costume. Yes. So. I mean, and, and plus the riddle. We've got so many people in this movie and i mean let's not forget jeffrey wright's playing commissioner gordon yep. that's a whole new take on commissioner gordon so uh yeah this is gonna be a r- i'm pumped for it i know you're like yeah but i'm a little pumped for it man. yeah yeah we shall see <laughs> we, we shall see man um but i mean the juggernaut himself uh Berlanti. Yes, Greg Berlanti. Yes, Berlanti Productions has tapped former Fox Broadcasting and AMC's network topper Davidson or David Madison Madden. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, as president of the company. Yeah, I mean, okay, and I guess you're wondering, like, why is he doing that? What about Sarah Schnettner, right? The the former, she's been bumped up. She's now chairman oh. of the company. Chairwoman, I should say. Go I her. Say, I don't want to say chairman. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, yeah, so this is the mind-boggling thing, though, and it makes sense to why she'd be bumped up to chairman, and then they have somebody taking, you know, this TV reins. This guy, Greg Berlanti, we talk about him all the time, but guys, 22, he currently has 20 two scripted series airing 22 that is insane it is insane and he's got pilots and scripts in the works yeah like this guy's got he's literally got a show in in some cases multiple shows but at least a show on every single network and streaming platform Super crazy man uh, it, this dude's killing it just imagine the amount of work he does in a day-to-day basis i, like. I can't even i mean because we're talking strictly television right there but he's also doing films exactly which i mean just he needs help no yeah. wonder he's hiring these people i agreed, mean agreed agreed i mean he's gotta have just such a great team in his corner to trust to put forth all of this effort it's super crazy well and i mean if you want to know how busy this guy is two-thirds of all the shows on the cw two-thirds are berlanti shows yeah there you go now granted it's because almost all of the shows on the cw are the arrowverse but i mean two-thirds of their entire programming slate is greg berlanti yeah that guy's killing it yeah man he really is kudos to him i would definitely love to get him on the podcast oh without doubt and so yeah uh and you know we should say that sarah had been there for quite a while i mean she joined way back in 2014 and helped him actually double his output onto all these networks and everything oh wow yeah, Madden is going to start Monday, apparently this coming Monday, and he's going to be focused solely on the television side, so I guess that Berlanti can spend more time on the film side. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and he's going to be reporting to both Greg and Sarah, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, I mean, speaking of like just new looks on things, Viacom <laughs> CBS is looking to accelerate the momentum of their streaming service uh, by launching a House of Brands product uh that will be will expand cbs all access because everybody knows about cbs all access we talk about it almost every week um scaled assets and film and television will be added to cbs all access
access and would expand its entertainment offering through on-demand and live experiences in both the U.S. and internationally because we all know that international is a huge market as well. I mean, all the streamers are trying to jump on that shit, so I'm not surprised. It's true. And, I mean, come on, guys. This is a weakly veiled attempt at copying Disney+. Plus. Yeah. House of Brands. Basically, what they mean is, like like J-Lo just said, they're bringing in all the film properties and all the... So when you go on to CBS All Access, now you're, I'm guessing you're going to see a banner at the top. And you're going to see, like, Star Trek, Nickelodeon, like, all their brands. Like, when you sign on to Disney+, Plus, you see Avengers, you know, Disney, Nat Geo. I, I mean, I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, but it makes sense because that's working huge for Disney+. Plus. So, and if you have all those properties, why not bring them all into one area on your streaming where people can find them right exactly exactly and i mean they're doing huge in the numbers right now cbs all access and showtime are on track to garner a combined worth of 60 million subscribers are 16 not 60 (laughs) uh, subscribers by the year's end the subscription streaming service offerings ended in 2019 with 11 million subscribers in total and a 50 percent gain over 2018 yeah so i mean that's a significant jump over the past couple of years which I mean that's good. Uh, I like CBS All Access. Um, I liked Star Trek, the new the new Star Trek Discovery on there. Um, I'm a fan of Picard. I like. Have you uh, checked that one out? I have. I have. They offered the pilot episode for free for people. Yeah. Uh, to to get and yeah, I I always liked Star Trek: The Next Generation. I'm a huge Patrick Stewart fan, so I, I definitely checked it out. And but yeah, it's really good. And from what I understand, uh, you know, moving forward, we got seven and nine. They've been hitting at her, but she makes her appearance finally. That she's from Voyager. For anybody who doesn't know, mm-hmm. and now my geek side is showing for sure. But um, yeah, it's a really good show. And then of course they had the Good Wife spin off uh you know the good fight and a lot of good stuff on there so yeah. I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see them expanding it a little bit yeah and uh bringing more stuff into it yeah so. yeah it's gonna be interesting man it's gonna be interesting but you're talking about expanding so nicky get this guys nickelodeon has reunited with the voice cast of spongebob squarepants for a prequel series camp coral this is gonna follow spongebob like at 10 years old yeah at a summer camp and yeah. i mean it's definitely going to be interesting because the original series is hugely popular so i mean it's kind of like big bang theory and young sheldon right now it is that that's a good comparison and then like and yet like the odd thing about this story is the entire spongebob cast original cast like what the fuck would mr Krabs and plankton be doing at the day camp with you know a 10 year old spongebob right like why is the whole cast and i mean they're gonna be like they have to be older too because you can't make them around the same age no yeah or they i mean maybe they're like counselors or some shit oh yeah that's that's true or maybe like a a a different camp across the lake or something where they're a little bit older kids and they're like uh, causing trouble i don't know it's definitely gonna be interesting i mean like like it or not, I, SpongeBob is huge. It is, and I was a fan of SpongeBob. So I mean, as as animated and fun as it is for kids, it's also very adult. Yeah, and so I think exactly, you it's know, definitely one of those you can put on with your kid and watch with them because it's just an easy watch. It is, it is. Yeah, um, um, but this one's going to premiere in July, guys. So much anticipated this year 
going to happen, so be excited. And check it out. And it'll probably be on CBS All Access with their new House of Brands. Exactly. Because Nickelodeon is one of those brands. Exactly, (laughs) if you didn't know. And I mean, even Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud announced that it will premiere a new stand-up showcase series on the new LOL channel on Pluto TV that brings the largest and the most diverse collection of comedic talent with stand-up sets and over 300 performance performers from 30 countries yeah that is insane yeah like like lol is kicking ass man it's it's got like a radio type show it's also now got this television show or platform on pluto tv which if you're wondering it is paramount owned yeah. um which is viacom cbs owned um uh, kevin hart man this guy is just nonstop. Exactly. I feel like he, he's getting up there with Netflix and Disney that where every week we're talking about him doing something. Exactly. So Exactly. Talk about the Quibi series. I mean, he already partnered with Nickelodeon to do a kid series. Yep. Like he's very and he's very smart right now because of all the controversy that uh, you can actually watch in that don't fuck this up documentary series on Netflix. Oh my god, that was brilliant. So good, so good. But he's very smart right now by taking a step back and doing like suits stuff right now trying to sign all these deals with these major studios to get productions out there and not productions that he's necessarily in so kudos to him man i love his entrepreneurial ship that he is putting out there and he's very motivating as well he is and inspiring motivating yeah. and inspiring this guy is just killing it right yeah. now and he's one to own his fuck-ups and move on. Exactly. You know, you learn from your fuck-ups and you move on. And he, that I think that's why he's so inspiring. I mean, just he, he admits he makes mistakes. Yeah. This next one, too, is going to be pretty interesting. Taika Waititi yeah. and Jude Law are attached to a series called The Auteur that's in the works at Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waititi will direct and write. The project is a Hollywood satire that would have Jude Law playing a producer coming off of a massive bomb, and he's desperate to make a great horror movie, and accidentally traps his production on a back lot with a serial killer. Oh, shit. So... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Paramount describes it as a gonzo horror comedy, twisted romance, and high-wire act of huh. satire. All right. Wow. Yeah, right? Like... Wow. We've got a lot of projects coming out about Hollywood, yeah. if you will. Some comedic, some not comedic, but uh, this... Definitely sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, we're huge film buffs. We love The Gentleman. I mean, that was basically a film pitch the whole time. Yep, yep. But basically, being on a studio lot with a serial killer, like, there's so many places you could hide, so many weapons you could possibly use, maybe some fake shit with some props. Like, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, and it's going to be a series. So, yeah, I don't know how they're going to span it from, like, episode to episode. But, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe a limited series, maybe more like it, but I don't know. I feel like horror series are kind of weird because how do you continue that? How do you continue like running from somebody or trying to avoid death, basically, somebody right. murdering you right. in a series? So, I mean, I don't like, know. I don't know. I mean, are you telling me after like 10 episodes you haven't got this guy yet? Yeah. Or he hasn't killed everybody yet? Yeah. Like, in one way or another, I feel like after 10 episodes it should end. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But one thing is for certain, reality will be a part of that show because yeah. I imagine there are plenty of producers that are coming off bombs that yeah. are desperate for a hit. Exactly. So, I mean, my, I'm really excited to see Jude Law's interpretation of a producer desperate for a hit. Yeah. That, that's going to be hilarious to watch. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And speaking of uh, desperate for a hit. Oh. I'm just kidding, oh. Marty. I love you. Marty Scorsese, you're one of the best. But he was talking about... <laughs> <laughs> this week, 
week his new project that he has coming up. It's going to be a Western, guys. It's going to be his first ever Western. Yeah. And this one's going to have Bob De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, his boys, his golden boys. Yes. And they're going to be together finally. I wonder if they're going to change the name. I know this is the name of the novel that it's based on because yeah. it's an adaptation of a book. But yeah. just this this name is just weird to me. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, it is kind of weird. I hope they like. I don't know, twist it a little bit or something, like something to still honor the book, but something to like, yeah, because I'm not, that doesn't scream Western to no, me. So. No, it sounds like some acid trip kind of a movie yeah. in the 70s or something. Uh, it does, though, take place in the early 20s, like 1921, 1922. So, you know, a little bit out of the wild, wild West cowboy stories, but still definitely horses and, you know, yeah. that type of stuff. But it's actually based on kind of on a true story, the Osage Nation Murders, mm-hmm. in which uh, members of the Native American tribe were killed after discovering oil on their reservation. And, you know, no, people in America, they want that oil. So, exactly. You know, so, um, and then the murders attracted the attention of uh, the newly created FBI. FBI. So um, that tells you when it's set. Uh, that's interesting, though. That sounds like it'll be a really intense story, which Scorsese does really well. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's going to be very interesting. And But that time period, it's going to be very... I wonder, like, where it's actually going to take place. I, th- I right. I I can't remember where. I th- I want to say he said Arizona, but I yeah. I, can't, I can't remember for sure. Don't don't fact check me on that one. But he did reference the fact that the time period is very tricky because you're talking about a time where there were still horses and people riding horses and cowboys and very but also cars yeah exactly and so you know and he said so this is a tricky little time where we're going to be playing around in this era with exactly horses and cars and cowboys and so i mean but if anybody can do it scorsese yeah yeah. and i mean transition period so it's definitely going to be interesting man i mean love you martin i was just kidding (laughs) this next one that i'm really excited about yeah um netflix ceo reed hastings and i'm a huge book guy and j-lo's a huge book guy you hear us talk about all the i mean fuck our top five was favorite books last time right um so two times ago two times ago um so we're excited about this one no rules rules okay netflix and the culture of reinvention this is going to be a book by reed hastings where he's basically for the first time and we should say it was co-written with aaron meyer um it's going to reveal for the first time the unorthodox culture behind netflix yeah and it's going to draw it actually has hundreds of interviews with current and former netflix employees and never before told stories from hastings himself basically about how he turned this you know dvd direct mail dvd business into the empire of netflix and um, I'm excited because if you guys have heard, there is this very cool kind of a culture at Netflix yeah. where there is no there is no paid vacation time. You just whenever you want vacation, you can take it, and uh, it's paid. You know, there is no you can only get so many days or this or that, and that's just one of the crazy rules that they have to keep this atmosphere. That keeps Netflix, you know, where everybody wants to work. Right, loosey goosey. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, there's like this manifest of rules that they have there that's just insane. Yeah. So to get a glimpse at it and find out how that whole thing works is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, seriously, so. seriously. I mean, I'm unaware, but this is going to be the first time that Reed or 
Ted has ever spoken about like their how everything works at Netflix. Yeah. Like in this capacity. Right. Like right. so this is gonna be very interesting. Maybe they'll explain a little bit on how they get their numbers for like <laughs> Minka. We are always questioning that. There are I so mean, many I, people watch this. Well, how how do you know? Exactly. And they're billing this as how did it go from a DVD business to the Netflix yeah. streaming giant? Well, numbers are part of that, I yeah. would think. So I mean I hope we at least get a little bit of that, right? right? I mean, or like how they're still surviving when they have so much debt. Like I'm, uh, I'm just so intrigued by how they're still moving forward with all these huge films that they're buying from festivals and all these places. So it's true, it's true, and never before told story. So maybe that will be like maybe we find out how they're doing it. Exactly. I mean, or maybe he's just going to keep secret, and uh, who knows what these untold stories about? Right. Exactly. You know, what he exactly. had for lunch the other day. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's a great tagline, but what are the untold stories about? We don't know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, like I said, big budget things. Jennifer Lawrence. She's set yes. the star in Don't Look Up a comedy by Adam McKay. You know, Adam McKay, former Will Ferrell's writing and producing partner. Yep. Uh, the filmmaker behind Oscar-nominated movies Vice and The Big Short wrote and directed this film for Netflix, and the budget is in the $75 million range. Yeah, and there's been people like disputing that, whether it's not that high, and other people saying it's higher than that. So who knows? We, we just know that they do spend money. You know, you can guarantee it's not a million-dollar movie, so I don't know whether yeah. it's $75 million or not, but who cares? It's got Jennifer Lawrence, and you know it's got a big budget. Yeah, exactly. The story centers around two scientists who, upon uh, discovering that... A a meteor will strike the earth in six months and they go on the media tour trying to warn the world about everything but everybody like nobody believes shit nowadays so <laughs> that's basically what's gonna happen i yeah. mean i wonder i really am intrigued about this one i mean it sounds interesting yeah and jennifer lawrence i mean come on Almost anything Jennifer Lawrence does is great. Yeah. So, and I, I'm a big fan of Adam McKay. I know you are too. So, um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they do with a Netflix movie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. But this next one, yes. speaking of Kevin Smith, everybody knows that he's going to get the Masters of the Universe revelation. He-Man and everybody. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, he's got a huge cast coming along, guys. Yes, they and and to no surprise, when we announced the one name, we were talking about this the other day, and we were correct. Um, the cast he announced is Mark Hamill, yes, that Mark Hamill, Lena Hedy or Hedy, I'm sorry, Chris Wood and Sarah Michelle Geller. I mean, guys, that is a fucking epic cast. Yeah, uh, w a couple of things came out that not only the cast members, but that also it's going to be an anime style animated series. That's so huge that's right gonna now. Be, yeah, that's and that's going to be really interesting. Okay, and here's what we were talking about. Logan and I were actually talking about this the other day, and we were correct. Mark Hamill, to no surprise, is going to play Skeletor. Yeah, <laughs> the villainous Skeletor. I mean, come on, the guy is infamous with the Joker. You know, all these crazy voices he does animated. There, no surprise he was going to do that. Um. Lena Headey is going to play Skeletor's right-hand woman, Evelyn. Chris Wood uh, is going to play the man himself, He-Man. And uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Liam Cunningham are going to play He-Man's cohorts, Tila and Man-at-Arms. Yeah. So, um, and then another little piece of tidbit that came out, it's actually going to focus on the unresolved storylines that were left by the by when the series, the original cartoon, ended. Yeah. And it's going to be picking up right where they left off decades oh, wow. ago. So um, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, because it did kind of abruptly end. 
end, both yeah. He-Man and She-Ra. So and that begs to question because you know there was a She-Ra, She-Ra um, animated series recently. Yeah, will we see you know He-Man's sister, twin sister, pop up on this series yeah. like that? Who knows? Yeah. Right? Exactly, exactly. So this next one's pretty interesting. Going over to Apple, Mahersha Ali is set to star in Swan Song, a drama for Apple TV by Benjamin Cleary, who also won an actor or who won an Oscar for his short film Sutter, uh, Suter, Sutter. Uh, he will direct. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, this is the interesting one, though. Not only will this join uh, the slate of original films on Apple TV+, Plus, but it's also going to be theatrically released. Oh, that's different. Yeah, Apple doesn't normally do that. So um, th- that's interesting. It's set sometime in the near future and explores how far someone will go and how much they'll sacrifice to make a happier life for the people that they love in their family. Mm. So that sounds... I, I love Marshall Ali. I mean... This guy is killing it he's everywhere he's gonna be bleed and you know in the mcu he's just he's he's winning oscar after it seems like every year he wins an oscar so right i I mean this is big for apple and i'm excited that they're gonna release something in the theater agreed agreed because i mean i i don't know this might be apple's first ever theatrical release since becoming like an actual production company i believe that's correct so so very different following the footsteps of amazon really because i mean you know that honey boy and uh that one with Joaquin Phoenix was also theatrically released yep. before put on the streaming platform. So, yeah, very much following in the footsteps of those, which is completely understandable since Amazon is also one of the biggies right now in the streaming industry. So. Absolutely. So we're going to see. I mean, you know, and Marcel Ali is the right guy to do it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put your first film into the theaters, have a guy that's proven, right? Definitely. Definitely. And speaking of a guy that's proven himself, Mm. oh my goodness, Joaquin Phoenix, Oscar winner Joaquin Phoenix will executive produce uh, Victor (laughs) Kosakovsky. Sure. Let's go with that. Kosakovsky. Encounters documentary Gunda or whatever. Yes, (laughs) Gunda, I believe that's correct. Yeah, Phoenix, a passionate animal rights activist and advocate, uh, said he is deeply moved by the film as it is being finished and phoenix says that gunda is mesmerizing perspective on sequences with the animal species yes so i guess i mean this is one of those things where this guy was like still filming it and you know uh joaquin became aware of it kind of a thing and saw it and it was like okay i'm gonna get back you know i'm gonna get behind this and produce it and back it financially i guess and get it out there for people so that's it i mean hey look if you're making a film and you can get an Oscar winner <laughs> to say I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right. on board and support this, that, that's never a bad thing, right? Right. Like, Agreed. And, and I mean, we know Joaquin; he's he's all about activism and like what he's passionate about. And apparently, animals are one of the things he's passionate about. Makes sense. It makes does. Sense. I mean, with all the environmental stuff, he's I mean, animals are a part of that. So yeah. you know, it definitely makes sense. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! And something else that just makes sense, these two comedic geniuses, uh, Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, are going to re-team for a new TV series, guys. 
uh, and are set to top line and executive produce the limited series, The Shrink Next Door. Yes. It's going to be a dark comedy, which makes sense because Paul Rudd's been doing that. Uh, forget what it's called on Netflix, that dark comedy series uh, where there's like two of them. The shit was yeah, really yeah. freaky, but it makes sense. Uh, bringing Will Ferrell along only makes even more sense. I mean, absolutely. Come on, Anchorman guys. These guys are used to working together, right? I mean, and they're fucking hilarious together. So this is going to be good, man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the premise definitely sounds... I can already see Will Ferrell and Paul right in this. The Shrink Next Door follows the bizarre relationship between a psychiatrist to stars. Psychiatrist to the stars. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. Dr. Isaac Ike Hershkoff, who's mm-hmm. going to be Paul Rudd, and his longtime patient, Martin Marty Markowitz. <laughs> okay, it's Will Ferrell. So the series will be shopped around. It hasn't been picked up yet, but they're going to shop it around to streamers and uh, cable outlets. Yeah. So um, this this screams any of the streamers, I think, would be interested. in. I'm going to just go ahead and predict that there'll be a bidding war for this one. Yeah. I, I think this is <laughs> Marty Markowitz. Like, what the fuck? Right. Oh, my God. It's going to be brilliant. Hell it's yeah. going to be brilliant. Some really goofy shit, man. But, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because everything that Paul Rudd does right now is – basically amazing exactly and he you know he's got that dry humor yeah you know where he just like is funny but he's like deadpan serious in the face so he's perfect for a psychiatrist i can only imagine his like dry deadpan face when will ferrell's over the top marty is like spewing his life to him and he's just sitting on the couch listening it's i can already see it's gonna be fucking hell it's gonna be good hell yeah and i mean switching it over to a little music side of things whitney houston eight years after her death a holographic <laughs> tour will embark around europe yes you heard him right eight years after her death whitney's going on tour yeah what right. the fuck yeah I, I just i'm not okay with this we've talked about this in the past and and while i've seen one i saw the whole carrie underwood one with brad paisley or whatever carrie underwood not dead by the way um but it just it was weird. Yeah. It was it was crazy real. Yeah. It looked like she was there. It was okay, all right. But Whitney's dead. <laughs> like I, I just Why I is don't this happening. I don't know. It, it I guess it kicks off in England that like next week and it's gonna run through early April and then come over here to the US and have a bunch of dates uh over in the US. Interesting. And, um, I don't know. It's it's <laughs> Pat Houston, uh uh Whitney's former sister in law yeah. and manager, and yeah. apparently now is the executor of her estate, which is producing the show in collaboration with Base Hologram. And her comment was basically just the time is right. Yeah. And that and she went further to say a little bit that, that Whitney is probably looking down blessing the whole thing as the right thing to do is she though it, it, right i mean it's weird. like i feel like this is a money grab yeah you know let, sure. let, let's okay we've waited long enough now we need some money let's put whitney out there and, yeah. and start to grab some money i just it's really weird man it's really weird like let the dead rest in peace I literally know. let them rest in peace and stop using their fame to generate more money for them or anyone else in their particular family. Agreed. Like, I understand that maybe if their family or estate is having some problems, but I, in my opinion, it's still not right because her estate and her family didn't earn that money themselves. So why are you living off of someone else's fame and success? Exactly. And, and you don't have to do it 
with some weird ass hologram. I mean, right. there are perfect examples of estates, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, even more recently, Michael Jackson, that are making money off of the estate without having to do some weird, oh, look, there's a hologram shit. Like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like there's some Whitney memorabilia out right. there or some like, you know, unheard recordings that she may have done that you can put out there to generate some revenue without having to do this weird yeah, shit. Agreed. I agree with you. L- like, let her rest in peace. I saw Whitney Houston live, okay? It was one of my very first concerts. A hologram ain't going to do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. The hologram is not going to give me goosebumps. Yeah. She gave me goosebumps. Okay? Just let her rest in peace, man. Exactly. It's, end of that life was tragic anyway. We don't need that rehash exactly well on the brighter side of the music industry i forgot to put this in there but mandy moore is back into music yes making uh she released a single so go check that out but the this is us star just came back after her like i don't know like 20 years hiatus it was like the early 2000s before our since she's dropped something new yeah she was one of those uh that came out around the same time as britney spears and christina aguilera you know that that candy pop music if you will type thing yeah and uh had a couple of hits but kind of faded in the light of britney and and christina you know and it says that she is actually wants to hit the road and do a tour this time because I guess she didn't uh, get enough ground underneath her the first time to do an actual tour. But this time she wants to put a full length album together and do a whole tour. That makes sense. And she just did a little pop up performance in LA that yeah. went over really well, I saw on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so that that's going to be awesome. And I checked out her song uh, on iTunes and it's actually kind of got like a little folksy feel to it. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's definitely not pop, yeah. and, but it's definitely not like R&B or something. It was just, it, it's definitely catchy and like i said i would describe it kind of it's not country but it's not i i don't know pop or, or you know mainstream either i i got a very folksy kind of a feel yeah. from it but i liked it yeah the lyrics were really good and everything i think she's gonna it's good to see her singing again yeah and and kudos to this is us because i think that's what revived that really yeah. when you're talking about it i mean i think that's what's behind it right yeah with her character like actually being a singer and then passing along to her daughter yeah i agree wholeheartedly like so i'm excited to see where she'll go with all that especially like since she's so busy right now exactly she has a lot going on remember a couple weeks ago we talked on the show she's also executive producing a, a new show a new musical show coming yeah, remember exactly um so she's got that going on it'd be really cool if maybe like when she does release a new album maybe she does it like a couple of duet guests you know because yeah. her and chrissy metz the other last week on this is us were just phenomenal yeah. together it'd be cool if she could get a couple of them to maybe do a duet with her or something on the new album yeah i'm just throwing that out there mandy just so you know just- yeah <laughs> so funny just letting you know just let you know and, and then both of y'all come on the show to talk about it exactly. it'd be great exactly well now it is time for our guest segment oh man we got the one and only chad michael collins coming on the show oh my goodness he has been in all these sniper films. He is also the main person in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So excited for everyone to hear this interview. He leaves a lot of piece of advice for the up-and-comers like we teased at the beginning of oh the show. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's epic. And it's so funny that he stars in a, in a film series that has been around long enough to where I remember the original with Tom Berenger. Yeah. And you're familiar with the new ones coming out with Chad. Yeah. It, 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 that's how successful these films have been, and this guy's now leading the charge. Yeah. So it's it's awesome, man. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Oh, here he is. Chad Michael Collins. Welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How you doing? Happy to be here. I've never been in an ant farm. It's, <laughs> very, it's very pleasant. Right? I hope you're ready to get a little crazy. That's right. That's right. It's a crazy ant farm, so you you got to be on your toes. I heard it was crazy. 
crazy, but uh, let's find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what we like to do at the beginning of every interview is kind of introduce you to our listeners. Talk about how you got started in the entertainment industry. Was it something you always wanted to do? Like, did you accidentally fall into it? Because we see you got a little journalism background. So how'd you get started? Yeah, I've had kind of a wacky route into acting. Uh, obviously, growing up, I was a huge comic nerd, fantasy nerd. Yes, um, we love that. All, played Magic the Gathering, you know. Um, you know, I was always, I grew up in a small town, so I was always playing sports too. But, you know, I grew up on X-Files. I grew up on Hercules and Xena and Star Trek The Next Generation. And, you know, always a big fan of television and film. So the entertainment industry always interested me. Mm-hmm. So I was a... Um, I was a journalism major, and I, I interned um, doing public relations out in L.A. through uh, my school, Ithaca College, uh, upstate New York. Yes, really and, familiar. Uh, you know, I landed out here as an intern in, in L.A., and I really never went back. And just working in the industry doing publicity, I eventually found acting and had that uh, kind of seed planted in my head, took some classes, and, and kind of navigated my way through it. And, However many years later, here we are. <laughs> so, so what was it like? I'm an upstate New Yorker myself, uh, so and it's a, quite the culture shock going to L.A., isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I go back home every year to visit family in the upstate New York region, and um, yeah, it's a different life. We'll we'll say it's uh, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Can only imagine. So, man, and I mean, our journalism background is he was a Dustin was a producer there for a little bit, and I was a cameraman for live shots and everything so yeah we're we get the gist we are right on the same page with you <laughs> yeah it's um you know it's funny what i discovered real quickly was there's no handbook man. no there's no, no. <laughs> there's no handbook for breaking into the industry uh it just kind of comes down to your network and relationships and who you know and just trying to level up with every single project you do and um you know if you i think uh running the marathon is the approach you take for anybody looking to break in entertainment definitely you know the bulk of things early on and maybe forever are going to be no yeah oh absolutely you know if you can handle 95 percent rejection across the board if you can just ride it out you'll you'll get there eventually Exactly, exactly. And I mean, talk about some of your audition processes a little bit. I mean, we've heard that time and time and again. It's about 90% auditioning and 10% actually acting. Did you go into some auditions like feeling confident or feeling like, I don't know, a little timid a little bit? How did those go about? Yeah, you know, at first it was... um it was all new to me, you know. Mm-hmm. I, luckily, I, I started acting coming from, um, you know, basically a white-collar job, you know, glorified assistant position with a publicist. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had a day-to-day, and I had, you know, health insurance, and I was eking out a living. So, for me, acting just felt really fun and, like, bonus right. at first. So, and I was very wishy-washy. I would... You know, I would not do anything for six months, you know, a year, and then I would kind of get interested and curious again and come back around. So I uh, take more classes, that sort of thing. So I really gave myself permission to kind of have fun with it, ease into it. Nice. And I know that's very different from someone who went to school and did theater mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, staked their entire life's claim on coming to L.A. to make it big. That's a, it's a different journey than someone who's already in the industry and doing okay. And then transitioning to acting than someone who, you know, had a finite amount of funds, moved to L.A. and staked all their hopes and dreams on it. Right, so right. I, I never, I, I just came from a, a place of fun, which I still maintain to this day. I never had 
desperation about it. I, it was just kind of like, well, this seems really cool. Let's see, let's see where it leads. That's awesome, though. It's so refreshing to hear that, too, because, you know, everybody's journey to get to the place where they're at is different. You know, I think so many so many times people fall into that trap of comparing themselves to other people and trying to live the path or, or the journey that other people have done. And that's just not the way to do it, man. You got to follow your own path and grind it out however it seems to be that, to get you where you want to go. So it's really yeah. refreshing to hear people talk like that. No, I agree, man. Comparison is death out here. And I, <laughs> I feel, I feel like what people don't understand about LA is you know you'll go into an audition room and you'll see 10 people who look exactly like you or maybe slightly better looking than you so your ego has to be checked constantly in oh, yeah. that way you can't you can't do the comparison thing it, it'll um it'll, it'll drive you crazy and those people who can't really kind of handle that thick skin uh, mentality you know they, they'll, they'll wash out you know they'll they'll give up and they'll quit and they'll go back home wherever they came from and yeah i mean it's not it's not easy but at the same time if you're really clear on why you want it you stick with it eventually you'll you'll find traction absolutely so let's talk about the big break sniper reloaded right yeah i would that probably qualifies as my biggest break yeah. <laughs> is that the one that really kind of got you the the love of doing film and and, and just kind of jumping in full board from kind of a hobby thing to a full out let's do this it really did man it, everything changed when i was lucky enough to to hop aboard that movie um like i said before i three four years before i was really just Really taking it easy, really messing around, not sure it's something I really wanted to commit to, uh, and being an actor, and getting that movie, and going over to South Africa, and filming for an entire month, uh, it really helped me see what this could really be, and how much fun I could really have, and the work it would take to get better, and to bring more of those kind of opportunities in, but it was a life-changing experience, you know, we were we were basically on safari most of that shoot, yeah. oh, wow. elephants, and <laughs> wild boar and ostrich and That's monkeys were flying around through the trees it was just so majestic and such an unbelievable experience that i knew when i came back from la after that movie that this was the thing for me and i didn't want to have any regrets about it and i was 110 percent in after that film uh, awesome and it's obviously led to several sequels all have been pretty successful for sony so i mean and, and you're you're like the guy man <laughs> yeah i mean we're doing something right we're um you know, we've cranked out seven, and uh, we might have an eighth on the way. So it's uh, it's been very good to me and a lot of fun playing this character. And, um, yeah, we'll hopefully be keeping it going up until uh, we're trying to keep pace with the Fast and Furious right now. <laughs> right? Like trying to keep <laughs> up to that bar. <laughs> That's so funny and so true, obvious. Exactly. I mean, I feel like everybody's trying to chase Fast and Furious, right? right. It's so insane. That's so hilarious. Intense. That's hilarious. But, I mean, you're not awesome. You're also a into the little comedic side of things we saw you're on two broke girls and a few other like tv comedies what's that like what's the difference between a dramatic role and a comedic role yeah it's a totally different animal and i i enjoy them both quite honestly but um doing a, a live studio audience sitcom is night and day from mm -hmm. doing a sniper movie as you can imagine sure um, the tv world is very fast-paced and uh, it moves very quickly. You know, they've got 22 episodes on a network they got to crank out. So the process is very fast. Yep. You could audition and be hired that night, start work the next day. Uh, wow. wow. I've had crazy situations like that. But the comedy's fun. Yeah, I, I like the levity of it. I like, I like um, I've done quite a bit of like rom com stuff, holiday movies, that kind of thing. And it's really, really nice to 
be on a project that is really fun in that way. And, and you know, even for you know, my grandmother watching at home, she doesn't have to leave the room because we're not blowing anyone's heads off. <laughs> right. their shoulders. So that's always nice to be able to kind of get into some uh, good, clean fun. Absolutely. And holiday movie, you brought up the holiday movie. That's the big thing right now, man. Those hot, those Christmas movies, they're killing it, bro. I, I tell you what, there's, there's no greater... I, I, I think that I know, though, in, in the industry right now, that holiday movies, it's just like every year, Hallmark is like, well, we're going to do 50 this exactly. year. Like, well, we're going to do 40. <laughs> Netflix is getting in the game. Amazon, all these networks are just dying for this holiday content, which is really, really quite fun. I, it's always lost on me how popular they really are. You know, uh, yeah. People will just put it on the Hallmark channel for the entire month of February. It did. It's if so true. Watching or not, it's just never-ending Christmas movie marathon. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is just kind of a very cool thing. Yeah, and you know, I mean, and and Hallmark had to up the game because, like you said, all these other streamers are following suit. So now Hallmark's doing these like live conventions and stuff, like holiday conventions for their movies. It's so insane, man. I've heard about that. I've uh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I mean, it's great. That's. Um, you know, that's what the fans want. It's smart to uh, to recognize that and give it to them. Exactly, and smart for you to be involved in holiday movies. Yeah, so exactly. you know, <laughs> I love it. I, I, last couple of years, I've, I've you know, I'm doing about one a year now, which is really really fun, and uh, just always really, I'm just always shocked and amazed at the traction they get every time I hop onto one. Absolutely, People get very excited. They go viral with like sharing it and everything, which is really nice to uh, to see. Definitely, definitely. Well, and we should mention, I mean, it's not just a, the movie side of it, or like, like J-Lo said, he brought up the comedies and stuff, but man, you've got, had some huge stuff, dude. Once Upon a Time, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, Castle Bones, like all these huge shows, man. Talk about going viral, right, with the fandom. Yeah, yeah I've been very fortunate to do a lot of, um, you know, network TV, guest spots and stuff like that, and um, I've done a lot of shows in that arena for CBS, so I always like to make the joke that... Um, you know, I'm that actor that hops on those shows that your parents watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sort of thing, uh, which is great. They're super fun to work on, and I always really enjoy them. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been able to think and dunk in a lot of different kind of uh, shows on TV. I've been very fortunate in that way. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, hope to do many more. Yeah, so, so are you saying CBS skews old, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Well, take the proofs to the pudding. There you go. There you go. Hopefully the whole new Viacom CBS will go in a little bit different direction, right? You never know. Well, that's, I guess that's what all the streaming platforms are for. Exactly. That's, that's where the edgy content is, right? But in the meantime, that's right. That's right. Ch- Chad's going to show up. Chad's going to show up on all access, right? You're going to show up on all yeah. access. It's going to be great. Exactly. <laughs> And I get it too. You know, everybody you know calls in the flyover states, but these people like to tune in to NCIS. They like to know that there's a bad guy and there's some drama. And they like to know that there's good guys, and in the end, the bad guys get caught. Like it's just one and done. Kind of zone out, enjoy it for what it is. And those shows are still insanely popular if you look at the ratings of shows like Definitely. that. And, and uh, they're not going anywhere. No, dude. There's a reason they're on for ten plus years. Most of them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of fandom, I consider myself a gamer, and we see that you are in the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare as one of the main characters, Alex. What was that like, doing like the whole, did you do any motion capture for that? I mean, since you have the training, I mean, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, yeah, worked on that on and off for about a year, and it just released October 25th of last year. Um, you know, it did okay. Seven hundred million dollars in the first three days. <laughs> it did okay. Yeah, it was it was a sub bar hit. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think it's over like 
1.2 billion now, you know, oh, three oof. months later. So, um, yeah, it was a really a pleasure to be a part of that. I had played Call of Duty, obviously, uh, the old Modern Warfare iteration. So coming back for this kind of uh, soft reboot that they did, I was thrilled mm-hmm. to to hop on board with this. But yeah, it was a full uh, facial capture, uh, motion capture, performance capture, full voiceover. Basically, the characters me. Um, they did add a really cool digital mustache to Alex, yeah. camera, <laughs> camera, uh, which was a nice bonus as well. So, uh, yeah, it was a really, really fun, fun process. Yeah. Do you find voiceover work more, more, it's got to be such a different realm from actually in front of the camera. Now, I know you said motion capture for this one and everything, but talk about the difference between the motion capture and, and, and live action and what's that like? Do, do you like the voiceover work more so or because you have the freedom, I guess, just to kind of show up? You're not like, you know, in costume and all this kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on all that? The differences? Yeah, they're, they're, they're at the same time similar, but also very different. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that, uh, you know, for a sniper movie, for instance, you know, we'll have two cameras. Right. And the process is a little bit slower. you got to adjust the lighting and the camera position for every single shot. So, um, you know, you'll be lucky on a good day to knock out five to six to seven pages of a script if you're working really hard. Um, you know, we were knocking out four, five, six, seven scenes a day for wow. Call of Duty just because, and in a much shorter time frame because, you know, the, you have anywhere from 50 to 60 cameras capturing you 360 at all times, right. motion capture. So it really, you know, motion capture, a friend described it as, it's kind of like doing a stage play in terms of its uh, specificity and the marks and the movement and mm. everything else. But it's also, you have a never-ending film close-up in your face. Yeah. You have this little camera on your, your motion capture helmet that you wear that just looks right back at you. And so you always have to be aware of your space and your movement and everything else because you're always in a wide shot. But then you've also always got to keep in mind that they're always filming a close-up on you as well. So Absolutely. it's a totally different experience and, and a lot of fun to do. That's that's right. So let's talk about that a little bit because you know lately we've seen all this this big push towards the digital age and and these like de aging technologies and, and or aging people up. Um, what are your thoughts on that as an actor, especially a, a young guy? Like, are you worried that some of these older guys are going to come in for these younger roles because they can de age them now, or are you right. excited about the fact that maybe you can prolong your career where normally maybe some people are at a point where they they wouldn't be able to? What's your thoughts? on that you know i'm not overly concerned i just know that you know there's nothing like the real deal and yeah. you know it's it's it could go that way it could get not i think it's a big can of worms now we're talking about copyrights and and, and you know what is what is creative license and what is right you know proprietary in terms of an actor's face and performance so i think that's going to get a little trickier as we go and you know the industry will figure it out yeah but i'm not really worried about it i really feel like um People, at the end of this day, video games are amazing, right? Don't get me wrong. The worlds you can create in video games are fantastical and so immersive and so cool. But there's nothing that I think is going to replace that television film style of storytelling. Right. So I think that, I think that both will continue to, to, to coexist. And there may be some crossover. You know, I watched The Irishman. Mm-hmm. I saw the, the kind of de-aging stuff they did on De Niro. Mm-hmm. And while it's impressive, you know, it also is, is very obvious that like that's not really him. Right. right. So you have to suspend your disbelief in that. And so I think there's always room for television and film that's going to give you the real deal 
without you having to kind of check out and pretend that that's not real, you know, while you watch something and, and immerse yourself in a story. I mean, if you, if you watch any sort of, um, I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, you've got these amazing actors. Yep. I mean, look, you just look at the, the Queen biopic with Rami Malek mm-hmm. and, and uh, the Elton John movie. It's like these actors are incredible and they're able to step in those roles and give you a performance where you can't tell the difference. Exactly. So I really don't know that we need the digital version of these things. I mean, there's so many great actors in Hollywood, I feel like, so, but I don't know. We'll yeah, go, I yeah. We'll all figure it out when we go. It's always the Wild West in the entertainment It industry. really Absolutely. is, man. It's crazy. <laughs> and I mean, speaking of something else that has really kind of shook the game up a little bit, social media, I mean, it seems like we've heard sometimes when people go into auditions, they get asked about their followers on Instagram and or Twitter. So, I mean, talk about that a little bit. How has social media impacted your career? You know, it can be a factor. And you see a lot of um, YouTube stars and social media influencers getting thrown into projects. You know, it's a, it's a weird catch-22. I get it. Um, you know, it's called show business, man. So yeah, that's it. while we're trying to do something creative and tell a story, you know, it also has to be profitable. And you got to understand that, that this it's a merger of two. It's art meets commerce, right? So I get why you would want to take somebody with 10 million YouTube subscribers and just try to throw them into a film. Mm-hmm. However, you know, I think the one thing that people don't realize is that if you've built a brand over here doing funny sketch videos on YouTube or you're just known for a certain thing, um, those 10 million people like that certain thing. They right. don't necessarily care that you're going to go pop on an ABC family show right. or a freeform show. And so those followers don't necessarily, they're not necessarily going to cross the divide and come pour their love and attention into this thing here. Also, you're not getting a trained actor. So exactly. a lot, I've seen a lot of results uh, that were subpar just because they were trying to shoehorn in what they thought was guaranteed commercial success by hiring a particular someone. So, you know, it's, it's weird. I think it's hit or miss. Um, some people use that as their template to get some projects off the ground, just hiring people with huge followers. Um, and sometimes it works out for them. Sometimes it doesn't. So really, I, I don't know. It, you know, I just think I encourage actors to use social media because if you can build a following, let's just, you know, it doesn't hurt. Right? Exactly. And, it's it's i don't think that it should be stronger than your resume but at the same time if that's what networks are looking at then you know you can't hate hate the game just be a player in the game and and just you try to try to work with it then fight upstream against it okay so throughout this entire interview it's very clear to me that that you have a very strong grasp on the industry um maybe that's because you were working in it like you said before making the transition to acting or for whatever reason so it begs it begs to question what what are the do you have any plans on moving behind the camera at any point because it seems to me like that was a very producer answer it by was. the way for the social media and the, the mixture of uh commerce and entertainment so um any plans maybe producing directing like, like anything behind the camera yeah you know I, since i came up through the industry first um i, I quickly realized that the, the the fastest way to i suppose fast track myself as an actor was to work backwards from what the industry wanted needed um, I really did a lot of reading and just researching about, you know, what does a casting director need from an actor? You right. Know? Okay, so that'll get me in the room faster. What does a producer and a director on a certain project look for in their actors? Let me understand and deconstruct this process so that I can kind of offer that solution to them from the beginning. And, you know, I've always kind of had a business hat on as I have navigated the um, 
creative aspect of, of being an actor. And I think it's really, really helped. But I, you know, I try to keep my finger on the pulse because the more you know, the, the faster you'll, you'll get there. But I, I think that I, um, I've been in enough shows and enough films that absolutely I, I've got two projects three projects possibly here that I'm looking to step in as a producer on absolutely uh, so we're getting, yeah we're getting those off the ground now we're, we're getting some really great traction so um, no plans to direct yet I have a lot to learn in terms of the technical aspects of directing cameras lighting mm-hmm. that sort of thing but I think um, the more that I produce the more that um, I will be curious and interested in learning um, how to shoot things Absolutely. So I think that'll, that'll come with the territory. Yeah, not surprised at all to hear you say the, the producer hat because you, you just come across very much like you could be a suit and creative, without doubt. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I, I, you know, it, it's, I think the, the, the key for me and the place that I always come from is like I don't have an ego. I'm here to learn. There's always something you can learn. In fact, in the entertainment industry, you will never stop learning. There's always going to be uh, new things, new people, new technologies that are always going to be coming at you. So the more you can step back and um, you know, not use the phrase "I know," the better it's going to serve you. So that's just kind of—I just like to be a sponge in general. And I think that um, being such a sponge for these last ten years has kind of set me up to really try this producing thing in a in a really fun way for the first time. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, being on so many amazing projects, both film and television, has there been someone on set that has passed along some advice to you that really just hit home that? You'll never forget. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny you say that. I no one really stands out in terms of you know, kind of being the mentor. Um, you know, kind of holding my hand and guiding me through these things. Right. I've learned a little bit from everyone, and it's. And I'll just say this, and I won't name names, but you can also learn a lot as an actor uh, what not to do. On set <laughs> Good and point. Fair enough. With your career, so I've certainly had those experiences on on certain projects where. You kind of uh, take inventory of what another actor is doing, and you say, "Uh, uh-uh, that's not that's not the way to go. It's not for me." So that those have been kind of more valuable lessons um, than, than anything else. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. real. I mean, <laughs> we, we we were just talking off air that I mean, sometimes people can get the e- or let their egos get the best of them, especially in an entertainment industry where. You guys have the limelight on you always. So it's good that to know that you're just such a down-to-earth, humble guy because you don't let all that stuff get into your head. You know, they say that, uh, well, I appreciate this. It's very kind of you guys to say, but I, um, you know, they say when you, when you drink or you get famous, it's only going to magnify what's already inside of you times 10. Yes. Yep. So, you know, when people find that success, some people are just wonderful and they're ambassadors for their projects and they're very kind and, and use their kind of um, celebrityhood or their voice to uh, support great causes and empower other people and then other people go off the rails and that's just um, you know but it all starts and ends with who they are right it all starts with and ends with where where they're coming from who they are as people what their challenges are and then it just gets thrown under a humongous magnifying glass so you know, I've seen the, I've seen the best of, of both versions and the, the worst of both versions. That's yeah. I mean, that is so real. That that's yeah. what I love. This entire interview, just a lot of real stuff coming out. You know, like like Logan said, you're so grounded and 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 real with what you have to say. So let's transition because what we like to do because we do have a lot of listeners that are trying to follow along the path or get into the industry. So what advice would you pass along to somebody trying to get in, and what pitfalls would you say to avoid or look out for when they're when 
when they're trying to follow the dream, man. Sure. You know, I love, listen, man, I've, I've, it was all trial and error for me and no one had kind of done it the way that I was approaching it. So for sure, I burned a lot of days, months, years, thousands of dollars investing in my career. And, and you know, I love helping actors save that time mm-hmm. and that energy if I can. So I would say, you know, whether an actor is already in LA or maybe they're in, um, maybe they're somewhere in the Southeast and that's a huge market right now. Absolutely. Indiana, Florida, uh, the Carolinas, they all have shows and projects rolling through there. Um, all these states are popping up with new film incentives and tax breaks to try and attract productions uh, to, to their state. So my my number one advice is, you know, I know everyone has stars in their eyes about L.A., but this entertainment industry is a, is a completely global industry right now. I mean, there are hotbeds of production in Vancouver. I filmed in Hawaii. You know, right, right. Every single state, you know, has incentives going right now in New York, the Southeast. So just be a star where you are. You know, learn, build, network, try to stick some credits on those resumes and get some footage for that reel, wherever you are right now. Um, because L.A. is crazy. L.A. is... It's like bizarro economics. There are, <laughs> there are now not enough projects, but there are still way too many actors. So right. there's, you know, supply and demand looks a lot better in Atlanta, where there's tons of projects, but the actor pool is, is, is still much smaller compared to L.A. Yep, so yep. you'll have an easier go of it as a beginner in a place like that. So that's that's kind of my number one thing in terms of people who think they're really ready to, to start a TV and film career. and but honestly, I appreciate you guys saying that I'm, you know, grounded. I've learned some things, and you know, I'm up there in the years. So I've always prioritized being a good human being, and then a, a decent actor second. And I feel like part of that for me has been a lot of people come out here and wash out because they don't know why. You know, they look at me and they see a kid from a small town who came to LA and he does okay as an actor. And they're like, I want that too. It can't be that hard if he did it. Well, it's like, it's not about hard. It's not about difficulty. It's about being clear on what you want. What exactly. You want. Until you kind of do that, until you have that clarity for yourself, you know, that's what's going to get you through the years that it's going to take to get your first audition. That's what's going to take you through the 99% rejection rate. If you don't have that, if you don't have that driving force and that crystal clear understanding of why you want it, um, then, then it's, it's, it, it really uh, will, will break someone down and, and it'll, it'll make them uh, run home with their tail between their legs and that's understandable too. But I, I try to have people come in with a strong mental game even before they work on being a great actor. Well, and I, I, think, I think that that's a huge part of why you've been so successful, man. I, I think that's just solid, solid advice. But focus on being a good person and then being a good actor because I, I think being a good person is what leads to the success down the road, man. And uh, you couldn't have said it better, bro. Thank you. Yeah, I've learned a thing or two. <laughs> uh, not, not my first rodeo in this town, so I've yeah. seen the best, I've seen the worst. There you, there you go. go. Well, what you got coming up, man? Uh, coming up? Uh, well, uh, you know, these producing projects um, that I've been talking about, I can't say very much, but both of them are very close to uh, taking the next steps. And um, hopefully this year I'll have some really fun announcements. Um, you know, like I said before, we there are, there's some talk and some loose plans about another, uh, possibly another sniper movie coming down the pipeline. Right. As well. So um, hopefully that all goes forward. But, yeah, I, I mean, quite honestly, I am um, 2020. It's a new year. I'm looking for the next really fun thing to hop onto. It was really fun to kind of ride out the release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And, you know, I had a Christmas movie drop, and I got to do 
pre-show and MacGyver yep. <laughs> last year. So, yeah, man, it's, it's really, um, you know, it's just every year is exciting here. Um, if I look back at my career, there's been feast, there's been famine. You know, sometimes I, I will do a year that looks like comedy and network TV. Sometimes it'll be indie films or another sniper movie. So that's what I love about this industry. I was not long for that office chair because exactly it was monotonous. And, you know, for better or worse, there are no two days alike in L.A. as an actor. And I, I just love and I thrive on that variety and that kind of stimulation in that way. Love that, absolutely love that. We're the same way, man. The, the whole nine to five thing just uh, that's not our, that's not our gig, bro. <laughs> um, so so listen, it, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I think the advice that you passed along and the wisdom that you've shared with with, with us on this interview is going to go a long way for our listeners. I think they're going to absolutely love it. And open invite. You sound like you got some stuff coming up, so that's a definite open invite to come back and promote that stuff when it hits. Um, we'd love to have you back on, dude. Uh, a pleasure, man. Uh, you know, for a crazy ant farm, you guys are you guys are okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, pleasure, guys. I, I would love to come back on. It was such a uh, great time talking to you. And you know, anybody who finds me online and Twitter, Instagram uh, at Collins Chad M. I'm on you know Facebook Chad Michael Collins. So yeah, I love hearing from people. Um, I love uh, you know hopefully trying to make some time to answer any questions for any aspiring actors out there. Um, you know, at least directing them to a place where they can kind of educate themselves some more. So, yeah, for all the listeners out there, appreciate it, and, and come come find, find me and say howdy. Definitely. We'll definitely direct them to that. Look, see, you can tell he's done this numerous Maybe, times yeah. because that was the next thing. What's your social media? But the guy's got it, man. He, he's he like, here's, here's where you find me. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> all right, old habits, sorry. There no, you go. you're good, man. You're good. Well, listen, dude. Take care. Have a great rest of the week, man. And like I said, open invite anytime you want to come back just to shoot the shit or promote projects or whatever, man. You, you, you just give us a call. We'll make it happen. All right. I'll take you up on that, guys. All right, dude. Take care, man. Appreciate you. All right. You guys, too. Have a good week. You, you too. Well. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, that guy was really knowledgeable about the industry. Like, he completely approached it from a different way than anybody else he was kind of on the outside looking in at first and then built his way up yeah and i mean like well and i i just that's new to me because i haven't heard people that have been able to make that successful transition who treated it almost as a hobby yeah and then like okay now i'm gonna get serious about it because but he's aware of that yeah because he he, i mean he spoke to it brilliantly like oh yeah i know people come out here with no money and it's their dream and they give it everything they got and i just kind of as a hobby yeah it's good to see how he he understands how he went about i I don't know just a lot of really solid wisdom i guess from from his path exactly exactly and any up-and-coming actors out there i mean Adam on Twitter, Adam on Instagram. I mean, he is willing to talk to you guys. It sounds like get pass along any advice that you have, any questions. He's there for you. Exactly, and that's what it's all about. That's what this show is about. That's what me and you try to focus on. And clearly, Chad falls right into that group, you know. Because isn't that what you're supposed to do? Exactly. What, take what you've learned and pass it on to somebody else. It's all about giving somebody that hand, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly, exactly. Like Brad Pitt would say, if you find an opportunity <laughs> to do something nice, just do it. Do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you again, Chad. My collins for coming on the show all right now it is time for the top five segment we teased it at the beginning of the show we've been teasing it all week on social media well over the past couple days you know yeah yeah um top five kevin smith films oh my gosh this one was fun man it was fun i'm just you know because this guy oh man he just 
he's so original. Yeah. And, he, and his films are, like, unlike anything you've seen. So this was a fun one to do, man. It was. It really was. Because, I mean, you got all this stuff that he literally just wants to create. And he does not care if he has to pay for it or if a studio will pay for it. Like, right. he will get this shit done. And, I mean, speaking of the one on my list, the lowest one on my list, the reboot, Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot was just freaking phenomenal. Take, taking it on a road tour, what we just went and saw last week, and it was so good. Brought all the members from his old films back together. Like, I loved it. Yeah, the, the film was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I mean, everything you would expect from a Jay and Silent Bob film. Yes. And then more. You know, some some stuff in there that you wouldn't expect, which was really fun. Um, and yeah, I'm glad we saw it with the road tour because the Q&A part of that film was my favorite part. Yeah. Just all the stuff we learned about what went into getting that film made and why it was the way. You know, that film's actually a, a, a combination of films that didn't get made. Exactly. You know, like uh, Clerks 3 and, and Mallrats 2. So if you haven't, you know, learned the history of it or whatever, I'm sure you can find it from Kevin Smith somewhere. It's, it's a very interesting story, but good choice, man, for yeah. number five. Exactly. And I mean, even though Clerks 3 has been announced, he is not going to use the part he put in there. He's completely re- reworking that script. Exactly. He announced that on the tour. I was super excited about that. I know, because I mean, you definitely had to think like, wait a minute, if he's using, if this is the opening from this film is like Clerks 3, then what's he going to do for Clerks? Yeah, but total rewrite. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, mine, number five, was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, that was a good because, one. Because, you know, anything that goes out there and pokes fun at Hollywood, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's epic. And he even has a great little story about that one with how he tried to get Mark Hamill to come back for yeah. this latest one. And the Empire told him no. Right. Empire being Disney. So um, fascinating story. But yeah, I really liked Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, I thought it was epic. Yeah. And I mean, that was my fourth one as well. I, it was one of my all time favorite like stoner flicks, honestly, when they're just trying to get out there. I love, I mean, just paying homage to the boys who he grew up with as well with um, Goodwill Hunting. Like there was a scene in that one with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and and in the reboot with yep. Matt Damon and Re- Ben Affleck. So, yeah, like you said, just great, phenomenal film. Yep, yep. And then anybody who grew up, you know, in... in- 80s or yeah i mean if you liked breakfast club if you liked 16 candles like any of the john hughes films basically you know you fucking loved mall rats yeah exactly. kevin smith's mall rats okay it's basically that it's an a john hughes film um so i that that was number four on my list i mean i i just like i said i'm from that era and i thought kevin smith captured it perfectly in that film hell yeah was epic. hell yeah and that is actually one of the first ever cameos slash appearances from the one and only stan lee that's true yeah <laughs> That's true. I mean, every time I think about that, it I makes know. me sad. I love but. how they did the tribute at the end of the reboot, too, with Stan Lee right there. And, of course, in the actual film where they take a second with the Stan Lee poster and then pan down. Yes, like, yes. And, and you know what I really loved about that clip? It showed how long this movie was in the process of being made because in that clip, Kevin was still chunk. Yeah, it was before I, he I, had the heart attacks. Yeah, so it was, it was really interesting to see. See, guys, this is what you're missing if you didn't go to the road tour. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just saying, man. Um, number three on my list, Dogma. Mm, Dogma. It's a good one. Man, D- George Carlin alone is worth this film. Yeah. Um, Alanis Moore <laughs> said it's God is worth this film. But it took so much heat, man. I mean, Buddy Jesus. Yeah. I mean, come on. It, it took so much heat. The Catholics fucking hated this movie. But 
I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I thought it was a just a direct in your face look at Catholicism and and religion and and done in a way that was entertaining and controversial. To say whatever you want, but I mean Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were brilliant in it and like yeah. I said the late great George Carlin. I mean one of my favorites for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, my number 3 was Chasing Amy, by far one of the most like rom-com movies that he ever made. And just the interaction between Joey and Ben were just freaking phenomenal. And especially that last line of dialogue um, from Jay, or not from Jay, from Silent Bob when he's telling, he's chasing Amy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's all about just everybody has their past. Everybody has their shit. Everybody's trying to get better from their shit. So just accept it and move on. You can be a little weirded out by something, but, I mean, there's nothing they can do about it now. You just got to move on. So that is definitely just that line of dialogue, that little scene of like, ooh, just so good. It gives me chills just thinking about it. But yeah, Chasing Amy is my number three. Mm, I agree with you, and it is on my list too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we shall get there in a moment. Uh, let's see. My number two. My number two is Clerks, mm. the original. Yep. You know, come on, man. Yeah. Everything about this movie is awesome. Yeah. I can't think of a possible bad thing to say about this. This movie was made off credit cards, y'all. He couldn't get anybody behind it, so he financed this whole fucking thing off credit cards and friends and family, and it turned into this huge hit that Miramax wanted to buy and scoop up, and the rest is history, man. Um, Just... Write what you know. It's basically like Logan was talking about earlier. Just Kevin Smith, homage to his to his childhood friends, his Jersey friends, and you know, in this convenience store that they used to hang out at, and all the stuff that kind of went on, and just epic. I can't think of any other word to describe it. It's absolutely epic, and that's the way you get shit done as an indie filmmaker. Exactly. Just, just do, do it, it yourself. Just do it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, my number two is Zach and Mary make a porno. Mm. That was so freaking hilarious. Because I mean, you got Seth Rogen, you oh, got yeah. so many other. people people in this movie is actually um him spending that time with seth rogan is what made him into being a productive stoner so just look at that guys you can be a productive stoner so yeah i love that movie oh yeah i mean i, I think it's mira sorvino that's in it with seth rogan yeah and it's like oh yeah i mean it's fucking hilarious Hell, man. yeah kevin is brilliant at poking fun at other things exactly and so when you know kevin smith pokes fun at porno it's gonna be good right you know so it had to be um number one is on my list, Chasing Amy. Yes. I agree with you wholeheartedly that it was a, probably his most mainstream film, if yeah, you will. Yeah, for sure. But as a comic geek, and this the whole setting of it is comic books, um, I, I, I was beyond excited to see it. And then the storyline, like you said, was just, it, it dealt with everything from, from homosexuality to not finding your place in the world to, to trying to outlive your mistakes. Like Logan said, it's just, it's a brilliant story. And in fact, you brought up the dialogue in the last scene and everything, but the, the dialogue was so good and, and the story and the script were so good and the acting was so phenomenal that Joey Lauren Adams actually was nominated for a Golden Globe. Exactly. That's how mainstream this movie was an actress from it was nominated for a golden globe when's the last time you heard that with kevin smith right that's how good that's i just i have a fond place for this one always one of my favorites man um my number one film was clerks because this is literally the epitome of what i want to do i want to be that indie filmmaker with that mainstream success i give all the credit to sundance and 
the douchebags over at Miramax for taking a chance on this thing. But, I mean, it is just so freaking good. Shot in, on film, black and white. It just, oh, it's so good. And I is just, there any way to other than that to do it? Yeah. In my opinion, I'm sorry, but I'm old school. I'm right there with you. On film, black and white. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's filmmaking. Yeah. That is filmmaking. And you're right. Oh, it, it, we're not, we can't stop. There's only like, what, probably at this point, three, maybe two stops left on the tour. But if you can see it, see it. Yeah. Because there's a great story about that with the douchebag Weinsteins and how their dumbass lawyers and their dumbass self weren't smart enough to outplay Kevin Smith's lawyer. And that's how Kevin Smith has Jay and Silent Bob. Yep. How he has the rights rights to (laughs) it, even though they were in clerks. It's a phenomenal story, guys. I can't express enough the Q&A afterwards how much you learn about Kevin Smith. It's so good, man. It is. It is. Now it is time for the box office recap. Oh, man. Hater over here was wrong. I was such a hater. I'm still not a lover, but I'm not a hater, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I told you. I told you. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog came in at number one with... 58 million and guess what guys i predicted 45 to 50 million so it outdid my predictions almost 60 million it did freaking phenomenal at the box office it is a family fun film that's what critics are saying i still need to go see it it looks i i want to see it and i want to see jim carrey on the big screen again um, number two was Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, with around 17.2 million. I predicted 15 to 20. Number three was Fantasy Island. Surprisingly, I, uh, it did as well as it did. It pulled in 12.3 million, and I predicted the numbers right, but just not the placement. Uh, I predicted uh, 10 to 15. Number four was The Photograph with 12.2 million. I predicted 15 to 20 million, so I got numbers right, placement wrong, but I got the placement right for the fifth and final one for Bad Boys for Life with 11.5 million, and I predicted 5 to 10 million, and that's one that's just like Jumanji, the one that just keeps on chugging. Yeah, so. that's, what, that's what I was just about to say. Bad Boys is hanging, man. Yeah. It, it, it keeps uh, keeps going. Yeah, I'm honestly not surprised, though. It was, it was good. I wouldn't expect anything less from these two j- brilliant uh, actors agreed agreed and uh i will say though I, I mean i hope that that mean the success of sonic means we do see more of jim carrey yeah um so hopefully we he this is a return to the screen that will be long lived and not just this one movie yeah and uh i too like you said i was surprised with fantasy island but you know because bloom bloom house is missed on the last couple yeah but i'm happy for him and i'm happy for lucy hale and you know michael pena and Good. Maybe. Hopefully it'll have some legs. Right, right. Uh, New movies that are coming out this week. The Call of the Wind. That's the um, Han Solo one right there. Yes, the Harrison Harrison Ford Ford, uh, fake real dog one. Yeah, right. And um, The Boy 2, Brehm's The Boy 2, which looks like Annabelle. That's that scary one that kind of looks like Annabelle. I didn't know there was the boy one. No, I, I was I was not aware of the boy one either. <laughs> like, I had no idea, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, people are predicting it to do pretty well, at least in the top five, even at the bottom end, but you know. Yeah, I, I, the first thing I saw with the trailer, though, I, uh, Annabelle, like you said, and or then, Chucky, and then yeah. Chucky. Yeah, it's like Chucky meets Annabelle, yeah. and then this is boy two. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's super crazy, super crazy. But movies you can still go see, uh, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, 1917, Bad Boys for Life, Just Mercy, Fantasy Island, The Photograph, Sonic the Hedgehog, and uh, Parasite is now in some theaters that just won Best 
Best Picture, guys. So be sure to go check that one out. Go um, see it. But number one, I think it's still going to be Sonic the Hedgehog with around 30 to 35 million. Number two, I think it's going to be The Call of the Wind with around 10 to 15. Number three, I think it's going to be Harley Quinn Birds of Prey with around 5 to 10. Number four, I think it's going to be Bad Boys for Life with around 5 to 10. And number five, I think it's going to be The Boy 2, Brahms the Boy 2 with around 5 to 10. Hmm. So, yeah. Do you think the name change uh, kept harley quinn in the top five uh maybe maybe <coughs> everybody is still confused by that because if you go on imdb it still says the emancipation blah blah blah, blah, yeah. blah blah of harley quinn and i'm just like what but i mean for actual box office numbers maybe maybe that's why it kept in top five but it's fairly entertaining it's it is getting good reviews so it is so i, I was just curious because i know it saw an uptick the day after they yeah. changed the name and then i was curious as to what it was going to do over the weekend yeah. and since it stayed in the top five it's it's a, it'll be curious because you're, you're keeping it at number three for next week yeah so I, I, i'll be curious to see if that holds or not right right but now it is time for the imdb pro top trending segment oh man this app is so freaking phenomenal Literally, while we're doing this show, I'm looking up things on IMDb Pro about Mandy Moore so we can talk about it on this week's episode. It's because true. the latest and greatest news breaks on IMDb Pro. It's all right there. If you're an actor, cast listings are right there casting calls all that good shit you can apply for things like box office predictions or you got box office numbers for each day it's just so good phenomenal website or phenomenal subscription service if you're an up-and-comer in the entertainment industry you need this app uh the top trending movie by no surprise is parasite still need to go see it i mean our forever guest on the 100th episode she's still thinking about it um so yeah i just I really need to see this one. Even I know a lot of people don't like uh, f- not foreign films, but um, subtitles. Subtitles. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but this one, after the first ten minutes, I guess you just completely forget. So go see it at your local theaters if it's at your local theaters. Uh, the top ten trending TV show is Lock and Key. This is another Netflix one. Guys. It is. So I'm surprised honestly i mean they're continuing to be very well talked about over social media over all the trades about their tv shows have you seen this one yet i haven't i I haven't either i saw the uh cover art for it and it's kind of weird it's like the back of someone's neck with a key and a lock i don't know oh Uh, yeah shit so it looks kind of uh is al gore behind (laughs) right the lock box Uh, (laughs) i'm gonna put it in the lock box yeah um nobody that listens to us is old enough to remember that it's okay it's all right um but yeah i I, it was renewed for a season two so i mean i guess it's pretty doing pretty well it's pretty popular so i was just wondering i guess we're gonna have to check that one out definitely definitely and the top trending person because he's not even a star it's bong joon ho from parasite the writer and director and everything imaginable for Parasite. So yeah. congratulations to him uh, tying Disney at the Oscars. I mean, every time he comes up, I got to throw that out there because he's a legend now. I mean, seriously, you win four in one night, dude. That's legendary status. Exactly. I mean, like, come on. Exactly. You, you, you Almost, you think for a second, like, why hasn't the statue been renamed either Disney or now Bong Joe? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you win four in one night. I feel like you should consider it. Agreed, just, man. Agreed. 
But anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 102 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Yeah. We got to thank our guest one more time, Chad Michael Collins, for coming on the show. Be sure to follow him on all social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on social media platforms at Crazy Ant Media all over the social media era internet place um we're pinners guys be sure to check us out on pinterest we got some motivational stuff on there be sure to uh follow us on our personal social media accounts as well because we got some opinions i mean even this guy over here the mouth he's getting uh asked by hulu to use his tweets because he's got such good tweets <laughs> well thank you jayla yeah. i appreciate that yeah. uh, I, I know what it was but i mean I, but but so look for it soon exactly uh, exactly follow me at jayla fantastic <laughs> on all social media platforms and that's right and if you want to see that hulu tweet uh <laughs> crazy hint guy 1970 check it out exactly profanity may have been involved you I know, know. Yeah, which one you don't exactly know. i don't know oh my goodness and subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, radio youtube podbean all the major podcast platforms we are on there damn and we are everywhere we really are man we really are and be sure to check out our website crazyantmedia.com we're always changing shit up on there and check out our merchandise page which we are putting new designs on there That's like right. every week i mean new stuff on there right now holy moly and hell yeah and new and improved bonk and probably once this comes out or next week coming we'll, soon That's coming right. soon we'll have hands down his hand <laughs> you'll have a hand shirt <laughs> But anyway, That's guys, right, like, man. just let's rock the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear because we appreciate everything and all the listeners out there. You got we couldn't do this without you guys. No, man, you don't last two years unless people listen. Exactly. So, I mean, we we can't thank all of you enough, and yeah, we just love doing what we do. Exactly. And we love all y'all. Agreed. Agreed. You know who else we love? Oprah. Oprah!